Well, good morning. Good morning. It is good to be preaching the Word of God, uh, to be sharing in His Word together. Friends, this is my last time that I get to preach while on staff at Mount Pulaski. I know, it's crazy. It's sad. I, I hate it. But as I was kind of reminiscing on my time, I, I came here in 2018, and that was not that long ago, but a lot has changed, hasn't it? I mean, put yourself back in 2018. Think about the place that our nation was, that our world was. That was before we had a worldwide pandemonium for the last how many years, right? Like, times were different. And our church even was different. The staff was different. The leadership was different. We had two different services. Um, and now we have our unified service, right? Things were different. But while I was reflecting I really came uh, to terms with the fact that God was the same then, and he is the same now, and he will be the same in the years to come, and we praise him for that. As Casey came to me and he said, hey, we're not in a sermon series, we're not uh, in a specific book of the Bible, uh, you have free reign. I knew that uh, centering ourselves on Christ was probably where we wanted to land, but there was a lot to choose from, right? If we want to center ourselves on Christ, we have a lot to choose from. So as I prayed and I prayed and I sought what the Lord might have me say and share with all of you today, came up with a whole page worth of scriptures. Now, that's too many scriptures. They came from the Old Testament and the New Testament. I said, God, we've got to narrow this down. So I prayed some more, and Philippians kept coming up. Philippians 2 specifically was the chapter that I kept coming back to, and it's probably no surprise because that's my favorite passage in the entirety of scripture. Right, like uh, We've read Philippians 2 several times from the stage. If you go into my office, Philippians 2 uh, verse 3 is on my wall all the time, but I love the book of Philippians. Philippians is written by the Apostle Paul, and this is a different sort of book than some of his other letters, right? Like Philippians is written to the church in Philippi, hence the name Philippians. But where Paul is writing to the Romans and the Ephesians and the Colossians, he seems to have some like grief with them. But in Philippians, this is a letter that is beautiful. And it's a letter that is full of exhortation and encouragement and of hope. I love it. Beyond that, every time that I read it, I'm kind of struck by the fact that Paul is writing this from prison. Right, like the tone of the book doesn't really lend itself to somebody being in prison. I can tell you for, for sure, if I was in prison, like Paul was, I wouldn't be writing letters like this. You know what my letter would sound like? Mount Pulaski Christian Church, come bail me out. I don't care if you have to bake a cake and stick a shank in there. Get me out of here. I will see you on Sunday. I love you all dearly. God bless. That would be my letter to the church in Mount Pulaski from prison. It's so different than Paul's, Right? But I specifically love Philippians chapter 2 because this text gives us a picture of what it looks like to live the Christian life. And this text specifically gives us a picture of what it looks like to live the Christian life. It gives us the what, but it also gives us the how and the why. It centers itself on unity, specifically unity in Christ, unity with one another. And this seems like a pertinent theme, right? We've been talking about unity at Mount Pulaski Christian Church for, for a long time now, it seems. But if I'm being honest with you, sometimes it feels like it's more of a buzzword than a reality. Sometimes it feels like maybe we aren't as united as we could be. So this morning, I offer Paul's words to you, to me, to us, as our rallying cry, as the framework for which we walk into the future, united as the church of Jesus Christ, 
under the lordship of Jesus himself. So with that, this is Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, and Paul writes this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen and amen. Well, that text speaks for itself. I think my job here is done, right? No, we need to unpack it. We need to unpack it. And I remind you this, that one of the things I love about this passage is that it not only gives us the what, but it gives us the how. It gives us the, the steps for living as a Christian, and it gives us the why and the how. And this how isn't just a how, but it's a who, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one under which we are unified. So we start with Jesus. That's a pretty good place to start. We're going to be looking at at first uh, at verses 6 through 11. This is the end of this passage that I just read. We realize that we are united in Christ. In in verse 5, Paul says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as who? As Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to give us this poem, this hymn, this song of exaltation, this this condensed theology of who Jesus is. And here are some of the things that Paul points out as reality of who Jesus is. One, Paul says Jesus is God. Yet he's the son, he's a servant, human, he's obedient. He was crucified for us. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, right? He gets the the crux of the gospel story in there. And he is the exalted one, the king of heaven and of earth. He is the one that every tongue will acknowledge on heaven and earth and under the earth. He is the one who brings glory to the Father. And all of these attributes are are important if we're going to be united in Christ. Because in order to be united in Christ, we have to know who Jesus is. We have to know who Jesus is, and we have to know his story. We have to know the story of Jesus. We have to know these things about Jesus in order to be united in Jesus. But beyond just knowing who Jesus is, we have to know Jesus himself right? It seems like a small difference, but the difference is huge. For example, I know who Patrick Mahomes is. He's the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes went to Texas Tech, go Big 12. He's six foot three. Um, His birthday is September 17th, 1995, and I know that because it's exactly one day before my birthday, and we are living very different lives with very different paychecks. Um, 
but I know who Patrick Mahomes is. I know who Patrick Mahomes is, but I don't know Patrick Mahomes. Right? We can know these things that Paul says about Jesus to be true, and yet we can miss Jesus. We can read the Gospels and we can know the story of Jesus, yet we can miss knowing Jesus himself. But this is an important distinction to make because when we know somebody, when we open ourselves up to somebody, we change. Or at least we have the opportunity to change, right? Sometimes uh, we get to know somebody and we're like, actually, I don't want to be anything like you. Like, eh, going to cut that one off. But with Jesus, we, we really do want to be like him. We open ourselves up to Jesus. We surrender ourselves to him. We know him, and we become like him, right? This is a really natural sequence of events. Maybe you've experienced this even. I mean, a really easy example. Uh, when I went to college, I grew up in Iowa, and then I went to college in Kansas, and I got to know people in Kansas. I got to really know my friends well, and when I came back to Iowa for Christmas break, I spent time with my high school friends, and all of a sudden I realized I was different, right? Like, I had suddenly become a whole lot more like the people that I knew in Kansas and had spent time with in Kansas, right? I behaved like them. I, my humor was similar to theirs. My, my speech, like, the way that I talked, everything about me had become a whole lot more like the people I was around, and it took coming back home to realize that. But maybe you've experienced the same thing because we become like the people we associate with. We have to know Jesus. We have to know Jesus. But Sunday morning alone doesn't cut it. We get one hour together each week. That's not enough time to know Jesus. It just isn't. But rather, Sunday morning, this is the place where we celebrate all that Jesus has done throughout the week, not the place that we necessarily get filled, although we do, you know, to some degree, receive what Jesus has for us here. But really, this is the gathering of the saints. This is the gathering of people who have been in communion and in unity with Christ all week long. But here's what this means. Here's some practicality to it. We must be united with him. And it takes work, but the work is worth it. We have to know Jesus each and every day. We have to be attentive to his relationships to us, his revelations to us, we have to know his word. We have to be in the scripture. We have to be speaking to him in prayer. But furthermore, we have to devote time where we listen to what he has to say to us. We like to talk, don't we? We like to talk and don't like to do a lot of listening. We are to be united with Christ. We are to know who Jesus is. We are to know Jesus himself. And when we find unity in Jesus, everything changes changes everything, right? Just look at the things that Paul is writing about here, right here in Philippians 2. He calls us to do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but to live in humility. He calls us to value others above ourselves. He, value, or he, he calls us to look to the interests of others. I don't know about you, but for me, those aren't things that come particularly naturally to me. And if you're saying, oh, those are really natural, I, I think you're lying, right? Like, those are of Jesus. Those are attributes of Jesus. And they're cultivated in us when we take time to know Jesus, when we take time to be in unity with Jesus. And the more that we do them and the more that we cultivate these behaviors and these traits, all of a sudden we get to know Jesus more. 
And then that spurs us on, and it helps develop the fruit of the Spirit within us even deeper. And then we start to live more and more like Jesus, and then we know Jesus even better because, right, it's cyclical. Don't you see? But it's no surprise that Jesus changes everything. When you think about it, like, this guy's radical. And I'm not talking radical like we hear all the time in the news. It's not harsh or or anything like that. But he is radical in goodness and radical in kindness and radical in his love for people. He's wild. Every time I open the Gospels, like, I know what's going to happen in the Gospels, but every time I feel like my mouth is just hanging wide open because Jesus is wild. And I love him. Picture of who Jesus is. He's a man who's bold yet meek. He's a man who loves, who stands up for the least of these. He cares about the poor and the vulnerable. He cares about the world around him. He's a man who is the very definition of righteousness. And Paul calls us to be of his mind. His mind. Be of this mind as Christ Jesus. Paul knows this better than anyone. He, his change was radical, right? Like, do you remember the story of Saul's conversion? Saul was going around killing people. He was a really awful dude. And then the Holy Spirit got a hold of him, and he knew Jesus. And his life changed so radically that he wrote the very words that we're preaching from this morning. Jesus changes everything when we're in unity with him. Maybe you're a newer Christian here. Maybe you remember the time before you knew Christ. You remember the difference that he made in your life. Share that testimony with those around you. Like, we need to be hearing those stories. We need to be reminded of the ways that Jesus is continuing to work in our community. But maybe you've been a Christian for a really long time. You're thinking, well, I don't feel like it's been that radical of a change. Like, I've just kind of always known Jesus. Okay, fair. I, I understand that. But my question to you then is, Is the life that you're living in unity with Christ, is that radically different than the lives of those around you in the world? Because it ought to be. It ought to be. Do you love like nobody else loves? Do you show hospitality like nobody else shows hospitality? Do you care for the poor and the needy and the sick and the vulnerable and the marginalized? You attack. You use harsh words. That means here. That means in your circle of close friends. That also means online. Like, I'm on Facebook. I see the posts. And I'm not even saying you're wrong, but if the posts, if the things that we're saying, if these don't align with the fruit of the Spirit, if they don't come from a place of gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, they're not of Christ. I might even go so far as to say we need to check if we are truly in unity with Christ and of his mind. To be united with Jesus requires us to see others like Jesus sees others. If you want to know how Jesus sees others, just read the Gospels. It's amazing. It's amazing. Paul writes, have this mind among yourselves that is yours in Christ Jesus. Consider others more significant than yourselves because when we are united with Christ, everything changes. And at this point, you might be saying, okay, well, how does any, like, this is a good word, but how does any of this have to do with us being united as a church? You said that's where we were going, and it is. 
this is going to sound overly simple maybe, but I believe it's the truth. When we find unity in Christ, he changes everything. And that brings unity in the church. When we are united in Christ, we are united as a church. Easier said than done. Right? Something that I think we miss in this passage when we read it is the fact that it's written to a collective group of people. It's written to the church in Philippi, right? Like when I'm reading this, it's so easy for me to say, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, Colin. And Colin, you better have the same love, be one in spirit and love one mind. Colin, don't do anything out of selfish ambition. And that's good. That's true. We ought to be living that way. But the reality is, is Paul's talking to a group of people just like you and me. All of you. Look to the, to the interest of others, not yourselves. Don't work in vain conceit, but in humility, church. That's what Paul is saying. This passage is the key to our unity because unity comes in the context of Christian community. All of a sudden, when we're one in spirit, when we're one of mind, we're in full accord because it's, we're not chasing after some goal that we created ourselves, but we are all together chasing after unity in Christ Jesus himself. Again, it's easier said than done. And it takes work, right? Like, here are some practicalities to what this looks like. There needs to be a sort of paradigm shift. I talked about it earlier. Church, yeah, happens here on Sunday morning, but church, the life of the church has to exist outside of this room. It has to be if we're ever going to be fully united in Christ Jesus, right? Outside of the church, we have to be seeing one another. This doesn't have to be anything crazy. I mean, this can be as simple as like, hey, we're having dinner. We're going to the dairy bar. You want to come? You don't even have to make anything for anybody. We're going to play volleyball over at Pool Park. I'm just going to throw a Facebook post up, invite anybody who wants to come, right? Like, oh, my family's going on a walk. Would another family that I might not know so well like to come with? Have we seen our, our shut-ins? The people at the nursing home who have called Mount Pulaski Christian Church home for several years. Like Casey and Nathan and Amy and I, we can do so much. But it takes all of us working together to make this hope that Jesus offers through the church a reality. Right, so we work outside of the church, but also we need to be united inside the church. Here's what that looks like. That means being wildly hospitable to one another. That means being absolutely gracious in greeting our guests, welcoming them in, inviting them into our homes. Furthermore, when we look to the interest of others, it begins to develop an attitude of servanthood, right? Jesus, the appearance of man, he took on the nature of a servant. The scripture says that. We need servants in this church. I'm going to push you a little bit. We have a lot of people in this church. We need each and every one of you serving. We have got to have that happening if this church is going to thrive and continue for years to come. And quite frankly, we need this church. This community needs this church to survive. Now, we're not like in danger. I don't want you to hear that as morbid, but looking long term, we have to all be in on this together. Guys. I know I'm leaving. I'm going to be in this the trenches alongside of you from a distance. That's the beauty of being united in the Spirit. That's exciting. 
I want to do a little exercise. Look to the people sitting around you. The people like, like, look, think of their names. Do you know them? Would you say that you're united with them in Christ? Maybe some of them, yeah, you are. But if you're not, offer up a prayer. Ask God to help you become more united with those sitting around us. Now take a moment to look at the seats that are empty around us. There are empty seats. Is that seat open for the person that you think could never come? could never change to be more like Christ. Is that seat available? And I'm not talking theoretically. Like, we'd all say, like, yeah, it is. But is the way that we're living in unity with Christ, is the way that we're showing love to one another and to those in our community, is the way that we are treating one another, is that really, truly letting the people of our community know that these seats are open? Last time I came into town, I think the sign said that we have 1,700 people in town, and we're running a little over 200 people right now a week, which is great. We have a lot of people here, but that means there are 1,500 people if all of these people are coming from Mount Pulaski that are not in this room on Sunday morning. Rough numbers, I know. They break down pretty easily, but friends, there are a lot of people in this community that do not know Jesus. A lot of people. And are we trusting that the Spirit will convict and guide in ways that allow us to love without reservation? Like, is that seat open to the person that you vehemently disagree with? Is that seat open to the person that you just don't see Jesus in? I hope so. I hope so. Because my hope is that we're so united in Christ that we embody his life so well that people in this community know that they are welcomed here, whether they're old or young, whether they're rich or poor, whether uh, they are um, married or single, whether they're black and white, whether they're Democrat or Republican, whether I mean, even whether they're gay or straight, people ought to be welcomed here. And we ought to trust that the love that we show in Christ doesn't leave people where they are, but brings them into his righteousness and transforms and renews this community to reflect the realities of new creation in heaven. I believe that can happen here in Mount Pulaski. I've seen it happen already, but I believe it can continue if we are united in Christ Jesus. Because when we're united with Jesus, he changes everything about us. And when we're united in Christ as a community, the church is unstoppable. The church is unstoppable. When this happens, beautiful things occur. When I was a junior in college, I had the opportunity to go to Barcelona, Spain, to intern with a church that was an international church. Ninety nationalities came together every single week to worship Jesus. You want to talk about a hot pot for disunity, bring 90 nationalities together in one room. But it happened. Because again, without oversimplifying it, they were united in Christ. And what that turned into was a thriving, loving community. The people that I spent time with outside of church were people who were from the church. And we talked about Jesus in natural and organic ways because he was the center of people's lives. And then people Constantly, we're seeing these groups being invited in, being baptized, 
being uh, disciple makers themselves. Like I watched this happen over and over and over, and beautiful things happen when the church is united in Christ. Let me tell you one story from, it was a Sunday morning. The worship band was playing. It was a gathering much like what we're having, and I was setting some stuff up in the lobby during gathering, okay, of this church in Barcelona, Spain, and this woman with a head covering comes in, clearly not Christian. She's wearing a hijab. So I say hello. Hi, great to meet you. My name is Colin. What brings you here today? She said, I needed somewhere safe to go, and I've seen the way that you guys treat each other. I knew this was a safe place to be. Is that us? Are we that united in Christ that our church is a united front of love and hope and peace and joy? I don't know if you've seen the statistics from across the United States, but people, not very many people, relatively are Christian these days. This world needs the hope of Jesus. And we have the opportunity to share his love with those in Mount Pulaski, Illinois. We need to be united with Christ. Surrender ourselves in a bold surrender to him, to let him work in and through us, and to let that be the catalyst for us to be unified, for us to be a tight-knit family, all walking in step with the Lord Jesus Christ, serving his people here and now. We're going to come to the table. We're going to take communion. We're going to take bread and juice. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're invited to partake in this meal, and this meal is richly symbolic. We take the juice, we remember the blood that was shed by Jesus on the cross. We eat of the bread. We remember his body that was broken for us. It was given for us. It's the great unifier, because we're all sinners. We all come with repentant hearts to a table where we are all declared the children of God. We remember the hope that we have in the resurrected Christ, the name that is above every name, and that is Jesus. As we give of our offerings, as we take communion, offer yourself in surrender to be unified with Christ, to let him change everything about you and about me to reflect his righteousness and that we might become a church completely united for Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We praise you for your spirit that brings us together. We praise you for the people in this room, for giving us family, for making us one, for making us your church. God, we pray that we would glorify you, that we would know you, that we would um, recognize you in the ways that you work in our lives. God, when we want to hold on to control, help us to surrender. When we want to, uh, when we want to push those around us in ways that don't match your goodness, would you stop us? When you give us opportunities to show your kindness and your goodness, would you help spur us on? And God, would you bring us together around your table? We love you. 
we praise you. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen and amen.